This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Lott Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C. And during this special season, as we celebrate Christmas and Hanukkah, we're delighted to host an inspiring leader who has elevated to the highest levels the relevant and timely discussions on faith, our sacred traditions and timeless principles, and guiding our attention to the promised land from where it all began, the land of Israel. This weekend, we are deeply honored to host Kathy Lee Gifford, the four-time Emmy Award-winning former co-host of the fourth hour of today alongside Hoda Kotb and after 11 years together Kathy Lee stepped down from that role in 2019 to pursue other creative endeavors and prior to NBC News Gifford served as the co-host of Live with Regis and Kathy Lee for 15 years a playwright producer singer songwriter and actress Kathy Lee has starred in numerous television programs and movies in her 45 year career and on this note we extend a warm welcome to Kathy Lee Gifford. Welcome to America's Roundtable and a good morning to you. Welcome, Kathy Lee. Thank you, thank you. The only thing you got wrong on that, Joel, is it's a 55-year career. <laughs> oh, my goodness. My apologies oh, for that. We'll update that. Or something better. Well, Kathy Lee, you have experienced great success in the secular media arena and within the film and television industry. And throughout your life, you have found ways to guide our attention to that which matters the most, our attention to the anchor of faith and timeless principles and the bonds of family and friendship. While most in the secular arena would be less inclined to bring the topic of faith in the public square, you have done so in a manner that has drawn people from all backgrounds to seek truth, hope, and a higher purpose. What led you to incorporate this message through your high-profile career, and how did you identify the best approach to communicate the message from your heart? Oh, Natasha, it's, I get asked that a lot, and it's not as if I had like a plan, you know? God's the one who had the plan. And, and, um, and in, in, in the Psalms, we, we hear uh, uh, David talking about how we, I, we were wonders, wonderfully and, well, there's a bad translation, fearfully made. No, that was awe-inspiring. That's a bad translation. There's nothing fearful about creation when it's, when it's God who's doing the creating. So in my mother's womb, he put the dreams that I was born with. And they were to be a performer. They were to be an actress and a singer and a writer. And I came into the world that way. That's that, from my earliest memories. I was putting on shows and writing plays. And, and so by the time I came to faith in Yeshua, Jesus, when I was 12 years old, I, I was in a movie theater, a Billy Graham uh, organization-sponsored film. 
First time he had made a movie and he got tremendous backlash from it. You can't make movies. The devil lives in a movie theater. You can't do this. You can't do that. And I heard that as a young believer in my life, too. You can't do this. The devil, this. The devil owns the airwaves. Da, da, da. And I knew in my heart that that was just completely false. God owns everything, every, every cattle on every hill. And it's how we use these things. And Billy, I wouldn't have come to faith the way I did if Billy hadn't had the courage to say, no, there are going to be people that will not come to my crusades that will not read a Bible, that will laugh at it, that will scoff at it. I wasn't one of those people, but but I God met me right where my heart was, which is in a movie theater. And from the message of the movie, I knew that I was supposed to follow Yeshua. He said, Kathy, I love you, and if you'll follow me, I will make something beautiful out of your life. And I believed him. I felt like I heard the voice of Yeshua, and I had a Jewish father. So I, my maiden name was Epstein. And so to know instinctively that it was a voice of Jesus I was hearing is extraordinary to begin with. Uh, and so I ran down and asked uh, him into my heart. Best decision I ever, ever made. That was many, many years ago. But I began this career that I knew I was already on the path for. And many people said, well, you, uh, you can't go to sh into show business. Christians can't do that. I said, you've got to, you're going to be a, uh, uh, an ambassador for Jesus. You, you've got to go to the places that missionaries go. You've got to go to Africa. You've got to go to China. You've got to all these. I said, but what if I'm not called to do that? I would be a very bad missionary there. What if I instead listen to the voice of God who's saying, I'm calling you to that world specifically because you will ultimately reach more people with my message than anybody like you will reach when you go to those other places, if you'll just trust me. So I knew instinctively as a, even a child that I should never separate the secular from the spiritual. Wherever Jesus led me is where I was supposed to go. And I go as a child of God and the daughter of the King, whether I'm on a Broadway stage or in the Carnegie Hall or a movie set or in a recording studio or you know, more and more and more uh, through my books and the movies that I'm making. And, and I've always known that truth, that wherever he would lead me, he would provide for me. Jehovah Jireh would meet me there and provide for me. And so honestly, I look back on it now, and it's, it's nothing short of the miracle he promised me, that I have, the millions of people heard a message about Jesus uh, because I happen to be at NBC or ABC or on Broadway or, you know, uh, people that just scoff at faith. And then through the years, they began to believe my walk. You know, they, many still don't. That doesn't matter. That The Holy Spirit will get a hold of people's hearts. My job was to be faithful to the calling on my life. And so it's led me to this place now, never retiring. You know, in the Bible, you guys, nobody ever retired. That's right. <laughs> Everybody died doing what they were called to do on this earth. And I love that idea. And the Lord will take us home when he is ready. But the great, great actor Paul Newman taught me, if you've got a pulse, Kathy, you've still got a purpose. And that, that was in a, a, a so-called secular environment that he did that. And, uh, and I, so I don't separate the two. This is God's world. We're the ones decide to separate. I don't think the Bible should have ever been separated to begin with from Old Testament to New Testament. That has done so much damage in the world. 
if you're going to separate it, it should be old covenant, perhaps, a new covenant. First covenant, of course, being with Abraham. Second one, the one with Jesus on the cross. But when you think about the Jews being in a bondage under Pharaoh for 400 years until the Lord sent Moses to, to deliver them, that's how many years there are between uh, Malachi at the end of the first, and I don't even want to say it, section of the Bible, and, when, and Matthew, Jesus' birth. So why we didn't separate it before, why did we separate it? And it's become in the vernacular of our world, oh, the Old Testament is about the Jews and the New Testament's for the Christians when Jesus came along. And the Old's about law and legality and stuff and commandments and all that stuff that are no fun. And the New Testament is about Jesus' miracles and mercy and, and justice. And, and that has created so much enmity between Jews and Christians through millennia. And, and it's, it's just been such a divisive thing. So in my work today, I, I try to um, remind people that we are one story. We are one magnificent love story since the dawn of creation, when God could see us long before we were actually uh, created on this, on this earth. He knew us. He knew us before any of that happened and loved us already, and had a plan for salvation. Kathy Lee, you have written numerous best-selling books, including the newly released The God of the Way. Mm -hmm. And in the book, The God of the Way, you take us to the land from where it all began, Israel. Yes. And you present a grand story of faith from the Bible and the people who transform our world. And in merging the ancient with the modern, you have partnered once again with Rabbi Jason Sobel in creating a book and video curriculum and chapters that introduce several key women and men from the Bible, and there it is. It is extraordinary. Kathy Lee, what drew you to embrace Israel in the first place, the land, and why devote such considerable time and energy and resources to invite people to see from a unique perspective these notable figures you present in the book, The God of the Way? Oh, well, thank you for asking me that. It's, it's just, it's the work I was born to do. I mean, it doesn't mean I wasn't supposed to do Regis and Kathy Lee, supposed to do the Today Show. I was. But it was all to get me to this point in my life where I can, I have the skills now, the skills and how to, how to be a storyteller, how to write the songs that, that, that can touch people's hearts, how to direct while I'm someplace like, uh, in Israel or Utah or Texas or right here in Nashville, where... Um, where all of this is based, you guys, on a film that, that I just wrote and has just started streaming. It's called The Way. The book is the companion to it, the God of the Way. The film was first, and in it, it's four oratorios in the movie. Oratorios is, is ancient storytelling. It's basically um, narration and music. And I've been a musician my entire life, and I write with some of the most extraordinary artists in the world, and many of my best friends are some of the greatest artists in the world. So I just started picking up the phone and calling my friends. And literally, we made the movie the way it took four years. The first oratorio was called The God of the How and When. And that tells the story of Abraham and Sarah and, and Moses and Joshua and then Mary, the mother of Jesus, representing a long, 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 long list now of the saints of God who have had it to wait sometimes a very long time for God's promises to come true. And they are just, they're, they're headlines. The Bible is not an old, dusty, dead book, 5,000 years old. It is alive and cuts to the marrow down to the very cell 
cell of us, you know, the cells of us. And it has got the power to transform. But but the Bible stories have become stale because they we we don't find new ways to tell the world these ancient magnificent stories. So I started writing these oratorios. I put set it to a 65-piece orchestra, all of them, all of the people play for the National Symphony Orchestra. It's a world renowned. And then I called my friends to sing the songs that we wrote. I narrate the movie. And uh, the next the oratorio is called The God of the Way, which is hosted by Danny Gopi, brilliant, brilliant Danny. And it tells the story of how the word became flesh and dwelt among us and how everything changed when Jesus, Yeshua, took on the form of a human so that he could display the splendor and glory of the Father and we could be drawn to him. And, and ultimately, he made the ultimate sacrifice for us. And so the third one is called The God Who Sees, which I shot in Israel with a magnificent artist named Nicole C. Mullen. It's been viewed by millions and millions of people. It tells the story of Hagar and Ruth and David, all with their different but powerful desert experiences. And then the final story in that one is Mary Magdalene, who, let's think about it, she was, she was mentally ill. And only the Holy Spirit can redeem and release from these kinds of entities. It's, that one ends with just the glory of him being resurrected and Mary Magdalene being the very first person that Jesus spoke to after his resurrection. I love the fact that he just said her name. It's one of my favorite passages in the whole Bible. One word, he goes, Mary. And she knows it's him. And I think he said my name in the movie theater. And he said Natasha and Joel when he drew you. He is such a personal, individual, loving God. And people don't know that. They've been taught that God is some big cosmic entity that just wants to send us to hell because we aren't perfect. It's the exact opposite. He sent his perfect son so we would have eternal life with him. And so I just now... I use all the skills I have that the Lord has given me originally, but, but I've had to work at and hone. All these things take time to learn to sing, to learn to write, to learn to, to edit, to hurt, all the things. I didn't know how to do them when I put my first show on when I was four years old. But I do know now. The fourth oratorio is called The God of the Other Side. And you all are on your way to Israel right now, and Lord bless your travels but when Jesus said to his disciples, meet me, get in the boat and meet me on the other side. What we don't know as Western Christians, because we've never been taught rabbinically, is that the, the, the other side is a real place. It's not just the other side somewhere, any, anywhere on the, on the uh, Sea of Galilee. It was the Decapolis, which is 10 villages there. That was what, where every good Jew was told never go there. It's, it's, it's demon-filled. It's, it's, it's pagan. It's, you know, it's, it's unclean. And, and these good Jewish boys are going, what do you mean, Jesus? The Bible doesn't say they argued with them. It just said they, they couldn't, you know, they knew that they were afraid. They were afraid. And what happens? First thing happens, big storm comes up, right? And, uh, and then Jesus is walking towards them. Peter almost drowns. Then there's, Jesus calms the storm. They're thinking, oh. Uh, we can see the, we're going to be fine. What because it's Jesus saying, if you're going to follow me, you're going to go where I go. And I go to the other side 
to reach the Samaritan woman, to reach the uh, the demoniac, to reach the, the 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 woman caught in adultery. Wherever that kind of world exists, is where Jesus said, "Follow me, or you're not my follower." So that one's called the, the God of the Other Side, and that's how the the whole film ends. I would really encourage people to try to download it. It's on Pure Flix right now, along with several other places. It was in theaters for a very short time, but now it's it's starting to be it's starting to be released everywhere. And and uh, the book has been available, and 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 the Bible study that goes along with it is is so important. We we really had a three prong ap- approach to this thing. I wanted to do the movie because I am a an actress and a filmmaker and a musician. I wanted to use the, the gifts of my friends to bring these 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 characters to life. I, um, I'm a visual person. I'm a, I think cinematically, theatrically, I Broadway, everything else. So I don't like writing books as much as I love putting on shows, you know. <laughs> but if I put on the show as well as I could under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, people would want to go deeper than you can go in a 75-minute film. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. And that's where Rabbi Jason Sobel is so brilliant. We had written a book together called The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. We read Absolutely. it, yes. The Pride was publishing phenomenon. I thought it would sell maybe 100 books because at the time I was depressed and discouraged that Nobody seemed to have any spiritual um, curiosity. Everybody is sort of happy with status quo, happy going to the same church every week, sitting in the same pew, singing the same songs, writing a check for ministry and, and, and feeling like, well, I'm a good Christian. But they really were very interested mm-hmm. in, in the churches that I visited in going deeper. And that's, that's how I became a very lukewarm Christian. I wasn't going any deeper, not because I didn't want to. I didn't know how. So when people are a biblical scholar now, I go, no, 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 no. Pastor, you know, I have pastor friends who are biblical scholars and rabbis that are others who are truly scholarly about it. But I just study with these people and I pass on what they teach me. And it's and I, I remember being mad the first time this great Bible teacher named Ray Vanderlaan said to me, uh, and we were at the Valley of Elah in, uh, uh, in Israel where David fought Goliath. And he, and he asked all of us, does anybody know what Jesus and Joseph did before Jesus became a rabbi? And every one of us held up our hands and said he was a, a carpenter. And, and, and Ray goes, actually, no, he was a stonemason. And, I, and I'm, I'm dumbfounded. And I'm going, oh, my goodness, I'm stuck for the next 10 10 days here in Israel with a man who doesn't even know the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay, you brought those examples so beautifully. We read the book, uh, and uh, we were so impressed because there are certain things that we haven't, you know, we, we read the Bible, but we haven't thought yeah. that way, and you explained it so well. Oh, There's a reason for it. There were no, there were rocks around. There were no trees. There was no wood. There, there were glorified bushes, glorified bushes, and um all the trees that are there now that are like tall and sturdy trees, I love this. They were all planted after Israel became a state and the Lord drew his people back in 1948. Otherwise, it was all desert and it was um, a scrub brush it went, and small trees. You certainly couldn't build temples. Remember, Herod, everything had to come from, from the cedars of Lebanon and be floated. That's right. 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 And so when you find out that Jesus was actually a stone mason, then all of a sudden, the scriptures take on so much more depth. 
upon this rock, I will build my church. You know, let the builders who the cornerstone, the, the one, the rock that was rejected, the stone was rejected, become the cornerstone. You were who without sin cast the first stone. It's all through the scriptures and, and not just Jesus, but David, the rock of ages, the rock of salvation, the rock of, and all of a sudden you start to say, well, if we're wrong about something as simple as that, what Jesus did, it's a bad translation of the word tecton in the New Testament in the King James Version. And look what it's done. People all over the world think Jesus was a carpenter. So people may say, well, who cares what he was? That's not the point. Personally, I do care. I don't want to read a Bible that is not true. The word, the scriptures say, as for God, his ways is perfect. The word of the Lord is flawless. But for not reading it in its flawless form, Hebrew in the Old Testament and the Greek in the New, we are not reading the flawless word of God. And there's so many bad translations. So I remember being angry, you guys, sort of a righteous anger, not angry at any particular person, just angry at the thought that, why didn't somebody tell me this? Why did I sit through church for years and years and years and nobody didn't tell me these, these truths? Why did I... I got kicked out of Sunday school because I read something that I, they, the teacher was teaching. And I said, no, teacher, I don't believe that. I don't think that really happened. And she goes, what? It's here in the Bible. And I, it was about when Jesus cursed the fig tree. And I said, my Jesus wouldn't curse something that he created and he loved. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I was asked to return to Sunday school again. <laughs> I was happy to. <laughs> Years later, I'm rabbinically in Israel. And we're having that same teaching on that same road. You know, the one that separates the, the, the two Garden of Gethsemane's down, well, leading to the Kidron Valley. And uh, we're about to start that teaching. And I go, okay, giddy up, here we go. And my teacher, I think it was, I think it was Ray, uh, or it was Rod, uh, Rod Von Sokol, who's writing the next Rock Road and Rabbi book with me. But they said, you know, in the days of uh, when Jesus lived on the earth, and this is also why I love to study rabbinically, we not only learn what the Bible says, we learned the cultural relativity of the times, right. the political, geographic things that were happening. Uh, and not just from biblical, biblical sources or scriptural sources, but lots of writings from the, that day. There's Josephus, there's lots of other stuff. So it's based on great scholastic work. But anyway, we start with the, the teaching about when Jesus went over because he was hungry and he noticed the tree. So he goes over, he's hungry. He sees there's no food, and what the Bible tells us is he cursed it because it did not bear fruit. Well, what, what our teacher told us that day is every glorified tree, really bushes back then, represented a group of people that were known in Jesus's day, such as the olive tree represented God's people, the Jews, the olive tree. Right. Now, then he went on to say, guess what the, the uh, fig tree represented, and it was a big sycamore tree. It represented the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So Jesus was cursing them for not feeding the people that God had and had given to them to teach and to lead into prosperity. He, they kept adding law after law after law and making the burden they bore so much greater. And Jesus was saying, how dare you, you hypocrites, you hypocrites. You've, you've whitewashed tombs. On the outside, you're beautiful, but on the inside is dead man's bones. You've made my father's house into a den of thieves. His most righteous reactions 
for not the sinners caught in adultery, the, the money changer, but but the the money itself on on the chain on the table. That's what he that's what he took the whip to, not the money changers, the money changers table, mm -hmm. so that the the coins went flying. And the people that were following Jesus by then, and remember, it wasn't just the twelve disciples. By then, it was hundreds and thousands of people that followed Jesus everywhere he went. He cursed the fig tree, and when he did, everybody in that crowd knew he meant. It was the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yes. So I want to learn that way, you guys. Right. Absolutely. Right. It makes my, my, my soul sore. It makes my gut burn with desire to know more. And because there is so much more. And that's what Rabbi Jason says all the time. But there's more. And, and that mm -hmm. keeps us close to God. Is it the work of the Holy Spirit in us renewing our hearts and minds? I think we spend way too much time in our Western world. Um, we're just like fixated on salvation. We just, you know, we just, and it's, salvation's magnificent. It's incredible and we need it. But then we don't get taught the, re the, the uh, regeneration of our heart and souls and our minds through the work of the Holy Spirit. That's how we grow. We, when we are a believer in, in, in Yeshua, we don't know anything except he loves and he died for us. And, but we, somebody's got to bring us along and go, okay, let's get to work. Let's open the scriptures. Let's find out what the word of God has to say to us. So all these stories will become not just real, but relevant in our lives today. In 2000, almost 23, how do we take these stories that we think we know and we really don't even know them at all until we study them this way? Then though, once we know them, how do we apply them to, to, to deepen our walk with Yeshua until he walks us right through the gates of heaven? Kathy Lee, there is a prominent role that we women have in the Bible. Yes. And in your book, God of the Way, you brought up seven great women prophets, Sarah, Miriam, Deborah, Hannah, Abigail, Halda, and Esther. Yes. And you share how God has blessed women in general with a heightened level of spiritual and emotional insights, understanding, and discernment. Yes. You also say, and I quote, when women are not respected and their voices not valued, it not only dishonors and displeases the Lord, but it is to the detriment of family and the church." Unquote. Uh, Kathy Lee, how would you compare the role of the women in the Bible with their role in today's world? And what would your message be to the women in general and a young generation of women in particular? Well, I'm raising one, my beautiful daughter Cassidy, who is um, just precious and loves the Lord with all her heart. When she was 14 years old, when we were watching uh, The Passion of the Christ, and I was sobbing my eyes out when Jesus fell carrying the cross and he saw his mother. Still makes me cry. And, then, and she's, I can't even imagine the heart of Mary during that. And Jesus looks at me and goes, Behold, Mother, I make all things new. You know, and I was sobbing. I, I didn't sob during the scourging. I didn't sob. I didn't. I, I girded myself for that. But when I... When I saw him say those words, like, there is purpose to this, mother. There is purpose to this. My daughter leans over to me and she goes, mommy, don't cry. It has a happy ending, remember? So I would say the calling on all of us as Christian women, as, as believers in Yeshua, and in believers of Jehovah God, Jehovah Elohim, he goes by so many names. 
as followers of the Eternal One, we have to first make it real in our own lives before we can sh change the world. We have to change our heart and our life, this world, this, this becomes in a human form. And we do that by remembering, he said, you know, in him we live and move and have our being. Every second, every nanosecond of our life, not just a building we visit for an hour once a week and say some prayers and sing some songs. That's fine. That's the part of it. But that's not the most important part of it. The, the, the most important part of being a woman of God or a man of God is the scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything else will be added unto you. That means your relationships, your children, your job. I cannot tell you how many, I probably led more people to the Lord, um, to an understanding of, of relationship with him in a so-called secular environment, only because I was the same person there as I was anywhere else. We have to learn to be authentic in our faith, especially in our failings and, and, uh, and, our, and our, you know, uh, you don't have to tell the whole world your sins, but you need a, a group of friends and, and loved ones and sister and brothers that hold us accountable in our lives, whom we trust because they live lives of integrity. And they, in turn, have to share with us. I think that's a real important part of it. And then don't let anybody else tell you what your gifts are. We know innately what God has given us the ability to do. We might not know where it's going to um, show up, but ask the Lord, seek the Lord, to show me your gifts, Lord, and then show me how to use my gifts. When we were at the Valley of Allah, Ray did an unbelievable teaching about the five stones that David picked up. But it took just one of those stones to accomplish the impossible, right? A little child, probably between probably 13 or 14 years old, um, throws one stone, hits Goliath in the most vulnerable place, and notice that Goliath falls forward in death. You would think from physics that that would make him fall backward. No. In ancient times, you always bowed before the greater God. You always bowed. Mm -hmm. So uh, in our book, Rock Road and Rabbi, you learn why, why, why the five stones. But, but the point of it is Ray picked, had us all go down to the brook of Eli and pick up a stone. And then he went to every one of us and he said, all right, what's your stone, Natasha? What's yours, Joel? Where are you going to throw it for the kingdom of God? What's your Goliath? What, how are you going to throw it? And he said, and you have to be prepared. He, this was not the first time David had thrown a stone. David had been a, a shepherd since he mm. literally he'd been he'd been killing lions and bears. He knew exactly what to do. That's why he wasn't afraid. All of the so-called Israelites in the in the army for forty days and forty nights had been taunted by the the Goliath the giant. They all had one thing very different from David. They had religion. David had relationship with the living God, and I would encourage. Every single person, whether you're a woman or a man, to seek our gifts and show us your star, my stone, Lord, and let me throw it by the power of the Holy Spirit and may it land and reach its mark and, and may the world be changed forevermore because we were faithful and faithful during the hardest times. I think I write the way I write now and sing the way I sing and edit and direct and all because I've been in the dark, dark places, in the valleys, in the desert, for years sometimes. You should write about what you know, what you know.
And I've wanted to give up a thousand times. I've wanted to curse God. I've wanted to, I've wanted to just uh, go down the, the road much more traveled, the wider path. Not because I cursed God or not had stopped believing in him. You just get tired and you get worn out and you get weary. All the more reason we never give up seeking one more little kernel of truth from him. Sometimes I call myself, you know, Lord, he'll do something really special. I go, Lord, I'm like uh, Elijah's widow. <laughs> if we seek him, if we walk away, it will be, it'll make it harder and harder and harder for the Holy Spirit to do it, to get our attention again. So, so seek a Bible like, like the ones written by Messianic rabbis, the Tree of Life Bible. It takes a little getting used to because it uses the, the Hebrew words Adonai and, you know, a lot of the Hebrew terms, but you'll get used to it. And it will also, it's exciting because it puts it in its a sort of epic location, you know, Adonai, Yeshua. I love it. And that's, you grow to love it. Uh, if you want to read something a little easier, uh, but it's, it's, it's so true to the spirit of scriptures. I think the New Passion Bible is beautifully written. The way that when the message came out, it was so true to the spirit of what the, the law, spirit of what Jesus's words were saying. And it touched an awful lot of people. And I don't promote anything like that because it, it is not perfectly accurately transposed. But you know you're not listening to a lie when you, when you hear it and you read it. So I don't know, just yes. seek quiet time with the Lord. None of the women that you talked about before, Natasha, had any idea how God was going to use them. They had no idea that we would be talking about them, some of them 5,000 years later. They had no idea. They were just like you and me every day, mm -hmm. trying to be faithful with, you know, just with our just human tools we have. But little is much when God is in it. And um, if we have a little gift, when, when it's, it, it's a loaves and fishes moment for Jesus, take your gift. Give it to Jesus like the little boy did. He didn't think we were going to be talking about him either all these years later. Give him whatever small gift you have and watch him feed the multitudes. We encourage our listeners to certainly seek out the book, The God of the Way, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi. And Kathy Lee, when we were reading the books that you have written and just bringing our attention to faith, we notice in our society today, faith is being derided in all circles, intellectuals and those from the academia and some from media, uh, fail to realize that some 85% of the world identifies with a religious group. Yes. And just within the Abrahamic faith, actually, Christianity with some 2.4 billion people, Islam, of course, with 1.8 billion followers, and 76% of Israel's population, faith is an integral part. And what is your message to people from the community of faith and specifically referring to Jews and Christians who embrace the Torah? How do you find ways to engage people uh, to appreciate the importance of faith, our sacred values and traditions, and how that really is meaningful to a society uh, if we have that, a civil society that flourishes with the great blessings if we do not deride faith? The way I would explain it to them and it is different than I would have even 15 years ago. Look at the people who don't have it. Look at their lives. Look at the addictions. Look at the brokenness. Look at the broken relationships. I, I know very, very few. I know a lot of atheists and I love them in the name of the Lord. But they are miserable people for the most part. 
And so I'm, I'm, I'll tell you one last story if we have time. I think the best way we can be is to represent whatever faith we believe in. Re represent it faithfully. Be a godly person. Well, whoever said, I, he said, I wouldn't become a Christian except for the Christians. You know, we are our own worst enemies. We call ourselves followers of Jesus and then we, we gossip. We sin all over the place. And, and people see that. They see the hypocrisy, which, interestingly enough, when Jesus called everybody the hypocrites, the word for hypocrite in the Greek is uh, actor. We're acting our faith, not living our faith. And people can, they know the difference. They know the difference. But if you are loving and kind and you give off a sweet fragrance of, of, the, of the living Lord, people are going to be drawn to you. They want to ask you about your faith, not deride it, not mock it. Be that person that welcomes somebody when they move into your neighborhood, that bakes a cake for them, that visits them in the hospital. Be the heart and mouth and, and hands and feet of Yeshua. Do what he did. And, and, and we wouldn't be able to fill up our, our, they'd be so filled, our churches, if we actually lived out our faith. And if you have Jewish friends, talk to them about how much you love their faith, how much you loved Abraham and Sarah, and how much you're so honored to be grafted into their faith. And they'll go, what do you mean, grafted into our faith? They don't understand that concept, but when they hear about it, they go, you respect us that much? They feel hated by Christians. Many, many, many Jews feel hated by Christians through the centuries because of the people that called themselves Christians and then went and raped and pillaged in the name of Jesus. You know, it's, it's so much evil has been done in the name of religion, but, but not by true followers of, of Yeshua Jesus. That He changed the world through his love and mercy, and he's continuing to. So God, surround yourself with people like that, that that live out their faith. And then um, I'll tell you that story. I was on a, mov a movie set with my friend Craig Ferguson, who is a, an avowed uh, agnostic. And he and I are good friends with a man who's an avowed atheist, which is Ricky Gervais. And I adore both these men. I adore them. I, every time I knew Ricky Gervais was going to be on my show, I would just go, oh, that's a good day. I love this man. I love him. He's the funniest <laughs> thing. We'd have so much fun. And then um, Craig and I were, had worked together before. And then he hosted with me on the Today Show for a while. And I just said, I've got to write a movie for this man. So I wrote a movie called Then Came You. We shot it in, in, um, in the highlands of Scotland, where he's, he's from Scotland. And I'll try to tell the story, but I have to do him with a Scottish accent, if you don't mind. If you don't. <laughs> so anyway, we were sitting there at break, waiting to shoot our scene. And he goes, Kathy, I got, I got to ask you, why do you, why do you like me and, and Ricky? I mean, we're, we're not good guys. We're not good guys. We don't believe what you believe at all. We don't probably vote the way you do, I got a feeling. And I, I why do you like us? Why do you love it? Because he said, he used the word love. Why do you love us? And I looked at him, I said, why wouldn't I love you? You guys are so adorable. You're so much fun. And you're made in the image of God. And I love you may not believe in him, but he believes in you. And, and because you are made in the image of God, I love you because he does. But then again, I just love you because, because you're, you're beautiful human beings. And he, he said something to me, you guys, that, that really, really had a profound effect. He goes, no person of faith has ever told us before, ever, that they love us. 
And I said, well, then maybe you never met one before. If we're not telling the unloved that God loves them, do not call yourself a follower of God. Absolutely. Absolutely. We just encourage our listeners, our friends, our partners to seek out Kathy Lee Gifford's book, The God of the Way. And if you haven't had a chance to get the earlier copy, The Rock, The Road, and The Rabbi, we certainly encourage you to do so. These books are not just only inspiring, they're meaningful, they challenge your faith and really engage Christians and those that are non-believers to really seek out the higher way. So thank you so much, Kathy Lee Gifford, for joining us on America's Roundtable. And uh, we just wish you a Merry Christmas, a Happy Hanukkah, and a prosperous New Year. Thank you so much, Kathy Lee. Thank you both. And, and may I say, if you want to give everybody a, a beautiful gift this holiday season, check out the film, The Way, 75 Minutes, and it, you will, it will transform you uh, to these places where these stories took place. And, and I hope it will transform your life. God bless you both. Safe travels. Uh, shalom, shalom, as you're going to the Holy Land. I'm not, I know it's a sin to be jealous, but I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> well, shalom, shalom. Shalom, shalom. Merry Christmas and Happy Hanukkah. Thank happy, you. Bye-bye. This is America's Roundtable from Washington, D.C., an initiative of the U.S.-based think tank International Leaders Summit in partnership with Lancer Broadcasting Corporation and Supertalk Mississippi Media. Thank you for joining us on America's Roundtable. I'm Joe Laden Sami, your co-host, joined by economist Natasha Serdorch, co-founder of International Leaders Summit and the Jerusalem Leaders Summit. America's Roundtable guests include leading voices from business, government, media, energy, technology, healthcare, and the broad policy arena. Subscribe to America's Roundtable on Apple Podcasts, Amazon, and Spotify. Visit America's Roundtable at americasrt.com. americasrt.com. Follow us on Facebook, America's Roundtable, and Twitter at americasrt. We invite donors and advertisers to reach us by visiting our website, americasrt.com. Welcome to America's Roundtable!